Attention all personnel. Incoming podcast. This is MASH Matters. They said it would never happen, but it happened. They are naysayers. They are. That's who they are. They're all naysayers. They said there is no possible way that that podcast will last 45 episodes. Or even nine minutes. Uh, <laughs> and they're saying probably six, seven, maybe top. Well, I had 12 minutes in the pool myself, but, you know, I lost that a long time ago. <laughs> episode 45. Hello, Jeff. Hello, Ryan. Very cool. Episode 45. Wow, this is great. We are quickly approaching our two-year anniversary, and we're going to have a very special guest on our two-year anniversary. If you haven't heard, we'll tell you about that in a little bit. But today, we have another very special guest to talk about a very special person. Jeff, your old friend, Roy Goldman. Yes, Roy Goldman was a very, very, very special person to me as not only a friend, but as a mentor, actually, a little bit on MASH. So this is going to be a very fun interview. Yeah. His son is a terrific guy, and I think everybody's really going to enjoy this. Now, MASH fans know who Roy Goldman is, but if this is your first time listening to MASH Matters, or if you are new to MASH and you're not sure who's this Roy Goldman guy, Roy Goldman played a character named... Roy Goldman. <laughs> it was the part he was born to play, Jeff. <laughs> the writers just sweated over that. What are we going to call Roy Goldman? He was on the entire run of the series, wasn't he? He was indeed. And he, he was also uh, worked on another Gene Reynolds television show, Hogan's Heroes. So he was mm-hmm. part of Hogan's Heroes back, way back then. Yeah. And when Gene Reynolds went to MASH, by golly, so did Roy Goldman. He was always present in the episodes. I'm telling you, folks, if you're not sure who Roy is, Just go to Google and type in Roy Goldman mash and he will come up on your screen and you're going to go, oh yeah, that guy, he's funny. (laughs) He was always present in all of these episodes, but he never took center stage. And we're going to talk about that in this interview with Roy's son, Brian. Now, unfortunately, Roy passed away a few years ago. In fact, uh, September 1st of 2009, I believe was when Roy passed. So to celebrate his life, we are now pleased to bring you our interview with his son, Brian Goldman. So for many years on MASH, in fact, the very first day that I was on MASH, I met this gentleman. And uh, from that moment on, we were friends for, uh, well, I was on the show for nine years. He was there for 11 years. And uh, his name was Roy Goldman. I think the reason we connected was that there was a certain humor between us. Roy had a tremendous sense of humor and I was developing mine. (laughs) And uh, we both recognized that there was some synergy there and we sort of enjoyed each other. So on the very first day I got to MASH, I found that out. And uh, he became a, a wonderful dear friend, kind of a mentor and advice giver. What I'm very excited about today is that on MASH Matters, we are very fortunate to have Roy Goldman's son, and Roy Goldman's son is Brian Goldman. So, Brian, I'd like to welcome you to MASH Matters. Thank you very much. I'm uh, glad to be here, and I'm uh, very thankful that you both asked me to come on board. It's a pleasure to have you, and and you know I wanted to do that because uh, it's w- one little insight into the behind the scenes of Mash, and we'd love to hear any sort of stories or things that you can share with us about your experience with your dad. Sure. I know that for the nine years I was with him, it was a wonderful experience. And uh, he was so, so helpful to me from day one that I just thought, this is really a good guy. Now, you may have had a different 
feeling. <laughs> You're a son. So <laughs> <laughs> I'm willing to bet he never grounded you, Jeff, did he? <laughs> <laughs> he tried, I think, but he didn't work. I'm sure he tried. Uh, yeah. yeah. If he, he could, did. he would have. <laughs> you know, so how old were you when he started to do MASH? So when he started to do MASH, I was a little under two. So I was about a year and a half. And then MASH ended in 83. So I was almost 11. And it was funny. I was just talking to a good friend of mine this morning about it. And I spent the entire from birth, basically a year and a half through all of my you know young years uh, having a dad on MASH. And I really didn't know anything else. In fact, I remember being in kindergarten or first grade, and I literally thought everyone's dad was on MASH. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't know any difference. So I spent my entire childhood and also, you know, visiting the set and meeting all of you. And, you know, all I could say to answer your question is the man that you knew was very similar to the man that I had. And I'm not just saying this for the show. I had probably the greatest father that I could have, uh, you know, be lucky to say that my dad was very similar to what you experienced on the set. Yeah. Yeah. An incredible man. Very, very doting. Um, very overprotective, but, um, you know, he loved his MASH family very much. In fact, my mom used to tease him, what do you love your MASH family more? <laughs> and then we used to joke yeah. about it. But A long pause. Well. <laughs> <laughs> but my dad was an incredible guy, very generous. You know, it took me many years, I think, because when I was a kid, whenever MASH was on, my brother, older brother is Roy Jr. and my mom, we would have to watch MASH. And um, I'll be honest, as a kid, it wasn't my go-to show. <laughs> Even though he was on it, I don't know. I wasn't really, you know, I liked other things that nine-year-olds like. But if it was MASH night, oh boy, we were on the couch, even if it wasn't his part or not. But if he had a talking part, oh my God. <laughs> we sat there, there was silence until he said it, and then he said it, and then we both were like, can we go now? And he was <laughs> like, no. But I, it's funny. My brother now is a huge MASH fan. He watches it all the time. Um, I'm just starting to watch it more. But uh, growing up, it was different for me because I got to visit the set. And I was more a part of knowing Mike Farrell and visiting the set and visiting the actors and getting to know you as a kid, Jeff. But it wasn't until really later in life that the show kind of impacted me and my life. Well, that's interesting. I think we have similar experiences because uh, when Ryan and I started doing this podcast, Ryan has been a huge major fan of MASH for a number of years. And I I liked it. Uh, the show was pretty good, but I liked all the people. I was a fan of all the people. So it didn't have the same emotional impact for me as a guy who worked there as it did for Ryan. And so it's an odd feeling because you're saying that you didn't necessarily have that fan kinship with the show because you kind of saw behind the scenes, you know, it was, uh, you understood that it was your dad's job and you got to go watch him work sometimes. And so that's kind of an emotional disconnect, actually. Well, I think it was because it was dad's job. Like, you know, we were like, we would sit there and be and grunt <laughs> having to sit there and watch it. And it was just very much a part of this is the night it's on, you're watching it, whether I have a talking part or not. But it's just really enjoyable to hear that people knew of my dad and liked his work, even though he was uh, you know, a minor character. But um, it's really wonderful to hear how many people really enjoyed the small amount of work that he did, but 
you know, how he impacted a lot of the show. That's really wonderful to hear. Brian, it's interesting. It, it's one thing for somebody who watched the show when they were a kid to go back and watch it again and start to gain an appreciation for it. But it's a whole other thing for someone who grew up on the set, visiting the set and knowing these people to go back and rewatch it again. What is it like now watching the show? It, that's a great question, Ryan, because in fact, I was, again, just telling my friend this morning when when I was a kid visiting the set, I remember he would let me take the day off school and I would get there with him really early and I would stay till really late. And uh, so I was the only kid on the set. So the director and everyone like liked having me there and Loretta Swit and Alan all the everyone was so gracious and warm. And I was allowed to play on all the sets. <laughs> and I didn't realize going into you know uh the swamp or playing in harry morgan's office and again i wouldn't break anything i was a good kid i think i you know obviously they wouldn't have let me but just to think like i was allowed to do all that and i remember telling my dad years later he was like you know not many kids were allowed to do that you were probably like in a handful ever and it just to this day and so when i'm watching on reruns I sit there and go, wow, I played on that set. Like I sat in TJ's bed. Like, you know, I did all these things that I think on other TV shows, they probably wouldn't have let some kid do. But because, you know, Gene Reynolds and everyone really loved my father, they trusted him. They, I, I had free forum to just, you know, if they were shooting, as you know, Jeff, like sometimes they would film towards the front of the set. And if they were filming towards the front, they would let me go to the back end mm -hmm. and I would, you know, go hang out in Harry Morgan's office or I would go to the <laughs> swamp or run around. And I just had no idea the impact of, you know, how many people loved it and watched it. And then when I would see it on TV, it just wasn't as exciting. I was just like, I think because I, again, I grew up in it and I was just like, yeah, okay, I've been there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't understand what the hype is. And then, um, Years later now, when I watch an episode, I'm just like, wow, like, you know, it's it's just a very surreal feeling. Yeah. And my dad had to kind of put that into my head. Like, you were very lucky to experience that. And just also visiting the set as a kid being nine or 10, having, you know, Loretta Swit, every single time I visited, she would give my dad a big kiss and say how much she loved him. Mike was his dearest friend as well as Jeff. And, you know, they would just come up to me and just welcome me onto the set each and every time I visited. And it was so special. It was literally, and, and I'm not just saying this, it was, it was a family. Yeah. And even when I visited as a child, the MASH actors, along with the extras to the background crew, the lighting, everyone was just one gigantic family. And I'm sure, Jeff, you attest to that. Yes. And that's what I remember most. It was just one gigantic functional, I would say, from what I watched, family. <laughs> yeah, it was a functional family. How odd is that? <laughs> You're right. And you hear so much about the dysfunction that goes on on so many shows. And my dad would say that years later, you know, we never had that on MASH. Yeah. You know, we never had that. And I think that's why the show was so successful and did so well because of the chemistry and how the actors took direction and from the directors and producers and just how the writers came together. I don't think there'll ever be anything like it. What you saw on TV was really the camaraderie that you saw yeah. with the actors and with even with the extras. I mean, I see on a lot of shows, you know, the extras are, are so different and they're not connected. No, they were right together. The extras would have lunch with the, I couldn't believe it. I was just like, this is yeah. unheard of, unheard of. Yeah. yeah. 
you know, when I first met your dad, the first day I showed up on MASH was out at the ranch. And it was very early in the morning and it was freezing cold and I hated it. It was awful. <laughs> it was dirty and smelly and there was weird. And some guy yelled at me, go put your green clothes on it. I was not happy. And it wasn't until I sort of wandered over and I started talking to Roy and expressing that. And he started to laugh. I'm sure he did. <laughs> and yeah. all of a sudden, that bonded us like crazy because he's laughing and slapping his knee going, yeah, 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 you're right. <laughs> yeah. Great time. And then I learned kind of the hierarchy because I, I was not familiar with spending much time on sets when I first showed up. And so I started, I began to learn that there were extras and then there was stand-ins and how all that worked and so forth and so on. And then, uh, you know, I learned because Roy was an extra and he was an actor and he was a stand-in. Right. So he worked a lot. Yeah. <laughs> and he was very well loved by uh, the executive producer, Gene Ryan. Reynolds. So that was a wonderful way to, you know, cement the relationships because he did everything on the show. He really did. Yeah. He taught me a lot. He actually was helpful in, at one point, making or helping me become Alan Alda stand-in. Really? I didn't particularly care. I didn't want to. I didn't get it. And so, but he said, no, 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 no. You got to do this. No, no, no. You're doing this. I'm telling you, you're doing this. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> and that's him. Well, yeah. And he said, no, you got to do this. And this is why. And you want to do all these things in show business. So this is a perfect way to do it. And you're getting, you got to meet with everybody. And it's so good. You got to do this. And he said, all right. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so I did. And that was great. And so that we got to spend a lot of time together because he was Gary Berghoff stand in for a long time. Right. And so if there were scenes between Alan Alda and Gary Berghoff, then he and I would stand there and we'd talk and laugh and say crazy things. It was just a remarkable experience for me to have a friendship like that with somebody on the set and, and know I could go every day and be comfortable with somebody. And that's that's a treasure. Yeah, he was definitely a teacher, my father. Yes. Uh, even with his sons, my brother and I, that carried on at home. Yeah, he was definitely a, uh, an amazing man and just very much always teaching. Whether we liked it or not, he was always... <laughs> He was always teaching. So when you say that, Jeff, it brings it brings a smile to my face. He was a team player. And I think because he wore so many hats on the match set, I think that's what Gene Reynolds must have said to him one day when I was there, or it was Mike Farrell that said it, that he is just so liked and loved by the crew. It's because my dad would do whatever they needed. <laughs> yes. And whatever they needed, if it meant carrying chairs over and they would be like, Roy, you're, you know, you're the part of the cast. And my dad would get up and move it and not even think twice about it. Right. You know, he, he taught me from a young age about, you know, learning to be a part of a team. And, and that's, you know, what I've learned in my job and my career. I take a lot of my dad's teaching to heart, even to this day. Yeah, he had great great insight into behavior. Oh, yeah. He had great insight into my behavior, which is why he told me what to do. And I did it because I suddenly, this guy knows what he's talking about. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he had great insight into navigating difficulties and navigating difficulties on the, I don't know about at home, but I know certainly in issues that came up on the set or different things between people, he could really solve problems and, and handle it and navigate it beautifully. Yeah. And the one incredible thing about him, he had a tremendous sense of humor. Yeah, okay. And he was always good in the scenes that he did. He was always great. I always said, and I still believe it to this day, had he been a little less shy, he would have been Mel Brooks. <laughs> <laughs> no, which is funny is he wasn't shy, but he was only shy 
in front of the camera. In front of the camera. So when the camera was off him, right, he wouldn't shut up. No, <laughs> right. he was. Mis- I know he was like. I would come on the set and I was like, "Who is this guy?" Like I was like, yeah. "He's Mr. Entertainment." Yeah. And I was on the set once when he had a scene, and I'll, I'll never forget it. The director, whoever it was for that day, put me on his lap, and that's pretty rare, you know, for for them to do that. Again, it shows how much they like my dad. And he had me look in the camera and watch my dad. Oh. And my dad took like a hundred thousand takes <laughs> for this one little scene. But but and when it was over, dad just went, whew. And he yeah. was like, go sit it right. It was extra. And and he and he liked that. And in fact, I remember always being like, Why don't you have more lines? He was like, I like what I'm doing. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. You're like, dang, be a bigger paycheck. but he you know he was charming and everything but it's just yeah in front of the camera i don't know what it was he just froze up yeah he did he'd get and i would i would stand there and i watched him do it and see he'd come over to me go i don't know what am i doing i'm too nervous i'm nervous i don't know what am i doing my palms are sweating i'm sweating (laughs) right just go you're great forget it no i'm not gonna forget it i'm sweating i don't know what to do and then he'd do it and he would be fine fine yeah and so many wonderful moments between he and i oh, yeah. and uh kelly nakahara oh. and the other partner in the little trio we had of the stand-ins was dennis troy right and the fun thing about dennis and roy they were so opposite each other oh, God. you have yeah. the left-wing <laughs> radical and the right-wing radical guy <laughs> yeah yeah but they were wonderful friends yeah you know and they argued so, about everything. I mean, everything. political. Right. Oh, yeah. yeah. Wait, wait, wait. You mean that people can argue about politics and still be friends? <laughs> oh, yeah. Those two. I don't know about everyone yeah. else. Okay. All right. <laughs> <laughs> friends and had opposites. In fact, uh, Dennis Troy's kids would call him father. And it drove my dad nuts. And so I would tease my father and go, father. And he'd go, stop it. He would go, you know, I would always tease him. And he was like, that's what Dennis's kids say. They just had a very funny relationship. Yeah, they really did. It was a great experience to listen to that those arguments. It was just terrific. Yeah. And just going through your mind, do you have any special moments, again, you know, that you saw there on the stage? Yeah, I have a, I have a couple. And then one that's kind of a little bit about my dad. But um, one of the best ones, I think, was, I mean, I definitely remember there was like a food fight scene or something. And just being a part of that or having, uh, whenever my dad had a line, I think that was part of one of the greatest experiences would be on the set watching him. And I was never embarrassed that he would need 800 takes, but it was just the (laughs) fact that everyone was so supportive and no one got mad at him. And I was just like amazed by that because, you know, I was just watching him in awe. I just, I loved watching him. And, um, you know, he, he always would talk to me and tell me about everything. And I remember one time the makeup artist put me in a chair and was applying like a Pinocchio nose on me. And I must've been like, and, and I don't know why he did it. And I swear it was at that moment that I looked at my dad and I said, dad, I want to be an actor. And I just remember my dad going, Oi. <laughs> and that stuck with me. And then when I became an actor at like 17 and I, you know, I did mostly print work and stuff. And I started out doing extra work and stuff. My dad was just, uh, he was just like, you know, <laughs> but the funniest story that I have about him being a teacher and from MASH 
was that I knew the uh, hierarchy of like being an extra and all the stand in. And so I already knew all this stuff. And I had a my first job ever was on Doogie Hauser MD. Oh. And I was like an extra or something like that. And or a day player. I don't remember what. And I remember we were going into like eight or nine o'clock at night. And I didn't have a dressing room. And I was just, you know, I had like a chair. And I remember calling my father and him going, are you kidding? You're in overtime. <laughs> he, was like, you know, yeah. he was like, and you're, you don't need a dressing room. You stay there. And I was like, no, I think I'm going to go. And he was like, <laughs> oh, my God. And he, was like, <laughs> you know, and he was like, don't you remember when I worked on MASH? And I was like, yeah, but this doesn't seem like MASH. And I was like, <laughs> and I, was like I want to go home. And he was like, you sit on that set. And, and so <laughs> overtime, Brian, overtime. You know, so those are, you know, the valuable experiences I think of him. You know, I went from being an actor to a therapist and now I do corporate training where I do public speaking. And I don't think I would ever do what I do now if it wasn't for because I can, you know, I speak in front of anywhere now that now we do webinars. But when we weren't in the with the coronavirus time, I was, you know, doing presentations in front of 50 to 100 people and people would always say, you know, how come you don't get freaked out? And I, I think it's just from my experience watching my dad and growing up on that set that really kind of inspired me to want to do something that was, I don't know, just more public, more with people and the way they interacted. And, yeah. you know, it wasn't necessarily, you know, I, I left acting and, and I, I just remember dad being one of the only parents that would probably then say, and you're leaving? Why are you leaving? <laughs> He's like, what are you doing? And I was like, I want to go back to school. And it's just like, uh. school. but yeah, but that's what I really got from being a part of MASH was just that community feeling. And, you know, I, I definitely know when I work for like the company I work for now, I tell my boss all the time, like it, it, it reminds me a lot of being a part of MASH. Like everyone gets along where I work and it's just, it's just really nice to have that. That's great. You know, I wish my dad were around that I could tell him these things, but yeah. you know, always, I think always looking over my shoulder. Yeah. And, yeah, MASH definitely played a role in my experience as an adult. And I also think even my brother. Yeah. I think one of the other things that we learned, and I'll kind of make this part short, was, you know, where other people, I think, growing up in LA, other kids or adults get kind of excited when they see celebrities. And I think since a young age, I was around so many celebrities and seeing Mel Brooks and all these people. I didn't give a darn. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know? right. Like, yeah. and it wasn't anything bad. I just think that, you know, to me, they were just everyday people. Like, I didn't know anything else. So you mentioned Mel Brooks and your dad's last credit on IMDb was in the Mel Brooks movie To Be or Not To Be. Oh, yeah. In 1983. Did he decide to step away from acting? Why, why didn't he have any uh, credits after 83? You know, that... <laughs> That was his probably, I always say, biggest claim to fame other than MASH because he played Hitler in To Be or Not To Be. Yeah. And so being a Jew, yeah, playing Hitler, Hitler. Yeah. and, and yeah. you know, and, and being in the garb and having to be up on stage and people were Heil Hitler and he would come home and <laughs> tell us stories of just how horrible, you know, not that it was a horrible actor's thing. Right. It was just the experience of playing this Hitler guy. Yeah. And it was making fun of Hitler too. Yes. Oh yeah. He was yes. just like terrified. You know, yeah. he was just, there was like thousands of extras Heil Hitlering him. Um, <laughs> I, I don't know if that scared him out of acting. No, it didn't. I just think, you know, the one thing my dad always taught me, and I think this is what one of the reasons as to why I left acting. And I think Jeff, you know, this is acting is very, you know, what is it like 1% go on to make it. 
You know, a very small percentage of actors will say they've had a successful run. And I think my dad knew he had a successful run and he was doing well. And then after a certain time period, the parts weren't there as much. It wasn't, I think that my dad was a poor actor. He really didn't want to be in front of the camera as much. He liked being an extra. So he went on to do more extra work and do jobs. But I think what he found out was nothing was ever quite like MASH. Yeah, yeah. You know, he worked several shows and I won't give, you know, the names of them, but like he worked several shows and he liked them, but he just would say it was never like MASH. Yeah, yeah. My dad was not, he didn't have to be in the spotlight. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like Hitler was, you know, he was honored to, to be in Mel's movie and Mel would always give him a little part. But after that, he was just fine with doing whatever he was going to do. It wasn't laziness. My dad was a hard worker, but Very. I think my dad was relieved. He would always say that he had no interest in being one of the main actors on MASH. Yeah. <laughs> he loved it. And, and maybe he wishes he wasn't, you know, shy in front of the camera. But I think if dad would have been one of the main actors on MASH, I think he would have hated the spotlight aspect. Yeah, yeah. And there was so much camaraderie between the people on MASH and and all of us as friends. You just don't want that to go away. And so don't rock the boat. You know, this is working. <laughs> yeah, he was bummed when MASH came, as all of you were. I mean, yeah. he was. it was very hard for him when MASH came to an end because, like I said, you guys were his family. Yeah. Second family. And, you know, I even would say equal to his first family. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, yeah. he he loved it. He loved getting up every day and going to the set and coming home at, you know, 10, 11 o'clock at night. Sometimes we wouldn't see him, but, you know, he absolutely loved being there. And it, again, it wasn't, oh, I'm on MASH and bragging to people. He wasn't like that. Yeah. That wasn't him. He just loved being with his colleagues and with you, Jeff. He just loved you and Kelly and Dennis. Yeah. And the other actors too. I mean, sure. You know, I was on a lot of different shows as small parts and little things that I did, and I was lucky enough to do it. But I never, ever saw where the extras and the stand-ins were treated just like you would see the actors. Yeah. Just a very special place. It was. And and uh, he was part of Hogan's Heroes, too, wasn't he? Yes. Well, my dad left New York uh, when he was 18. He grew up in the Lower East Side. Very, very poor. And, uh, you know, he was into muscles and getting big muscles and all this. Yeah, he was a bodybuilder. He was a big time bodybuilder. Yeah. And he and like four or five friends just said, we're moving to California. And they hopped in the car and that's what they did. And he came out and was part of the original Muscle Beach. You know, he never won one of any of the big like Muscle Beach awards, but he was definitely a part of Muscle Beach. And then he was just discovered one day on the beach. Someone said, hey, do you want to be an extra? And my dad was like, eh, okay. Like, you know, he didn't know anything. (laughs) So he was like, eh. And that led into Hogan's Heroes. And then Hogan's Heroes led into Matt. And Gene Reynolds was the, I'm not sure. I think he was the executive producer of Hogan's Heroes, but he directed a ton of them. I think you're right. I don't know who it was. It must have been Gene. But I know Gene loved my dad. Yes. And I I know that um, if I'm correct, my dad was an extra, but then I had like a day part or whatever. Very, very smart role on... um, Oh, I can't think of the show right now. And Gene Reynolds happened to be the director. Oh. And I just literally had like a word. (laughs) And I just remember Gene had to go up to my dad and say like, Roy, step off. Because dad was being a bit of a stage (laughs) fan. But I think he was doing it because, you know, it was Gene Reynolds. Yeah. (laughs) 
And I think it was like a big deal, but it was life goes on. That was the show. So, so, you know, dad was always teaching and he would say, okay, so when they say this, you have to walk this way. You know how he was, Jeff, you know, and when they say this, yeah. And I was like, shut up, yeah. <laughs> leave me alone. And I, he was, I was like, I get it. I get it. I get it. And so, but I think for other people, they appreciated it. Now I think back, I should have appreciated it more, but yeah, I was definitely like, stop it. <laughs> Yeah. And uh, when I wrote the book, Secrets of the Mash Mess, my cookbook, um, 10 years ago, I tried to include a lot of pictures that I took out at the ranch. But one of the best pictures I ever had, and I will cherish it always, and I cherish the moment as well, was when he and I were in the scene in Adam's Ribs, where Alan Alda freaks out. Oh, yes. And Roy and I are behind the steam table, and it was the uh, you know river of liver and an ocean of fish moment. And uh, we start banging the lids on the, <laughs> the thing. And nobody told us to do it. We we just did it. And the picture of he and I standing there is a great big picture that's on the first page of the book. And I love, I just love the relationship. And he, his look at me while I'm standing there staring at Alan Alda is just absolutely precious. <laughs> so it was, a, it was a fun for, thing for me to be able to put it in the book and make it the big picture on the first page. Well, you know, I mean, Adam's ribs next to the dreams episode, which scared me to death. Um, <laughs> oh, interesting. to this day, dreams, I still will like not watch that episode. That is- <laughs> well, can't, as a therapist, can't you analyze that? And say, exactly. hey, no, I never even on. wanted to analyze it. I remember him us watching it and I had nightmares and like scared <laughs> and I was just like, why am I watching this? <laughs> but, um, Adam's ribs was, was definitely up there. And I just, what I always would say is that episode when we've watched it, and the way he's looking at you, it's also because he had the fear of death going through him. Like, <laughs> yeah. You were like his protect, like you were this tall guy and he was standing next to you. And my dad was such a good actor that he could smile and he had yeah. such an amazing smile. He did. And his smile would show, but inside he was like, when is this going to end? When are they going to go to kite? <laughs> like, you know, like they would just, but you know, he just went with it. And he, he did. Just, but as soon as they cut, he just was like, oh. <laughs> but but he would even talk about that episode and trying to stay uh what did he tell me that when alan alda went into his big dance yeah. thing where he was like jumping up and it was all just alan alda kind of being alan alda yeah and my dad having to keep a straight face yes <laughs> yes that was the hardest thing as an actor he said was on mash was keeping a straight face when the actors would just do bizarre crazy things that were off script yeah that's why he smiled all the time like you <laughs> always see him smiling because he would break out in laughter or try and, and he couldn't but he had great facial expressions and oh yeah a great look oh yeah i mean tremendous i uh, just knocked me out and put me on the floor with some of the great things he used to do and great timing great comic timing seriously good comic timing and i love that they gave your dad a line in the finale yes yeah you know and they're going around the mess tent and, and everybody's saying what they're going to do and his line was i i don't know what i'm gonna do <laughs> yeah it was totally my dad yeah you know, the, the talk was and jeff if you remember this they were going to give him more lines yeah but he they knew that he would get too nervous yeah they in fact said like he was building up to be an Igor or a Kelly Nakahara, but he could, he was so, and my dad wasn't a wimp. He wasn't, I don't want people to get off that. He was like afraid of his own shadow. He just didn't want it. And he was just like, and when they said, you're going to have one line, he was like, Oh good. And I just remember us going, what? (laughs) what What's all you said? And he was like, I did great. 
Wasn't I great? <laughs> That's great. <laughs> but he loved having that one line. Like to him, that was his part of giving his goodbye to MASH. Yeah. To be honest, that line was perfect because he didn't know what the heck he was going to do after MASH. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He's he telling the truth. Know. Yeah. He was like, how am I going to feed my kids? What am I going to do? The show is ending. So he would later tell us that that line was so perfect for him because he had no idea what he was going to do after match. I ran into Arnold Schwarzenegger once <laughs> and I hadn't seen Roy in some time. And I did, I was trying to figure out where he was and I wanted to get in touch with him. And Arnold was standing out on the sidewalk waiting. I think it was waiting for his wife in a dress shop or something. And I walked up to him and I said, uh, Mr. Schwarzenegger. And he looked at me it, and with Arnold eyes, they went right, right through <laughs> you, you know, it scared the heck out of me. Yeah. <laughs> You really squinted at me like, are you going to hit me? Because I'm going to break your neck. <laughs> I said, I'm uh, uh, I'm looking for Roy Goldman. I, I, and I know that you knew it. Oh, Roy. Yeah. Oh, Roy. And he just went on and on for 10 minutes about Roy. Arnold knew my father from Muscle Beach. And, you know, my dad would always tell the story that Arnold would come out and with his you know thick accent saying, I'm going to be an actor. And all the Muscle Beach guys made fun of him. They're like, yeah, <laughs> right, dude. And my dad would say, yeah, right. They all picked on him and look what he's become, you know? So yeah. he, he became one of the biggest movie stars ever. And so even to that day, my dad's best friend was this woman, Rhonda Collum, and she happened to be Arnold's personal assistant for 30 years. So, you know, Arnold was very kind to my father for many, many years. Another actor that loved my dad. Which yeah. We never really got to know him, but he knew of us. So that was very kind. Well, your your father certainly has a great legacy and uh, we all miss him terribly. And uh, I think of him a lot. Um, certainly every time we do this uh, podcast, I do. And when I look through all the letters and things that we get and the people who write in and they do talk, you know, hey, well, what about Goldman and what about Roy and <laughs> all kinds of different things. So yeah. He made a lasting impression, even though he was just there momentarily even with those one words that were scaring the heck out of him. <laughs> you know, it makes me feel really good to hear that. I'm still very proud of my father, my older brother, Roy, my mom. Like, you know, we're all still very proud of him. He was an incredible dad and incredible, had an incredible work ethic. And just to hear people say that they loved my dad and he inspired them or he was integral to the show. I've never felt so good in my life hearing that. Oh, that's great. Uh, I, I'm, and I'm so glad you were able to, to visit with us. Yes. That stays in my life. <laughs> like, it really was. I mean, I, I you know, look back on it and not that like I could say, oh, you other kids couldn't do what I did. It wasn't like that. It just, it's really stuck with me and how honored I was to be there and to learn and to also just watch my dad and his absolute professionalism mm -hmm. on set always. Yep. I, I try my best every day to be as professional as he was. And, uh, you know, that sticks with me to this day. Well, I don't know about you, Jeff, but I absolutely loved talking to Brian. He, uh, First of all, Brian is a great guy and had so many fantastic stories about his dad. And I love the stories, too, about Brian growing up on the set and not really even realizing what that was, how cool that was. <laughs> yeah, really? Well, ba yeah, back at the time, he was a kind of a young kid and he didn't really get it. And what the heck? A lot of us didn't get it either for a while. So <laughs> it took many years for everybody to go, wait. 
wait a minute, that's pretty cool. Well, it was your office too, you know? Yeah, it really was. That was where you went to work. Yeah. So for him to run around and play with all that stuff, what a great moment in his life and what a great thing to have in his memory, not only about his dad, but his own personal experiences there on the set. Yeah. And it was wonderful hearing Brian I love you, Brian. Uh, you can come back anytime. Talk to us. It was a it was a wonderful experience, and listening to you was terrific. And for somebody like me who did not know Roy, it helped me understand who he was. Mm-hmm. Now I feel like I knew him just listening to these stories and listening to Brian reminisce and you tell stories. It really brought him out of the background where he usually was mm-hmm. and into the spotlight because he never really got that spotlight moment. I think that we did that for him today. Yeah, well, we did, and him he deserved. <laughs> deserves it. <laughs> now, Jeff, yes, we are about to celebrate our two-year anniversary of this podcast, and we are doing it in a big, big way. <laughs> we have a special guest joining us. On episode 46, our second anniversary guest, Mr. Alan Alda. Yeah! You might remember him as having portrayed that character Hawkeye on the show MASH. And he's actually going to be with us on that episode 46, our second anniversary of this wonderful MASH Matters podcast. I am very excited. Me too. I mean, the chance to talk to Private Igor stand-in. I mean, how often do we get to do that? Uh, wait a minute. Now, I think that was the... Well, I won't... Yeah, it could Maybe I've got that backwards. Never yeah, mind. it's all right. We'll, we'll, we'll talk to him about that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Alan Alda himself will be our very special guest on the next episode of MASH Matters. going to be fun. You can always reach out to us through our website, mashmatters.com. You can find us on Twitter, Facebook, YouTube. You can also subscribe, download, and listen to us on any podcast player, and you can rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. You can also call and leave a voicemail at 513-436-4077. Or you can just come over to the house. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know why I like saying that. It never gets old. (laughs) It never gets old. (laughs) All right. Until next time, when we will be talking to Alan Alda, Jeff. Yes, Ryan. Here's looking up your old address. (laughs) 